Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Peter Gabbett Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Timothy Hankst, and today is September 7th, 2020, which means I'm on day 268 in a row of 365 promised episodes that brings you unedited, unscripted, improv, news, movies, music, sports, food, entertainment, and all things except politics. In sports news yesterday, folks, the San Diego Padres won, and so did the Seattle Mariners for the first time that both teams won in the same day for quite some time. But in the NBA, it was a sad sight for the Houston Rockets, who lost badly to the LA Lakers, proving that this will be a difficult task for them if they want to knock out LA before they reach the Western Conference Finals. I'm not sure it's going to happen. The series is tied 1-1, and after looking at the disgraceful play of the Rockets yesterday, I was embarrassed for them. It looked like the Lakers were just scoring at will. LeBron James took off like an airplane and just flew around that court like it was nothing and controlled the game in the way that he can do if he wants to which makes me hate him so much. Because again, I've say, I say this, and I've said it before, if he wants to be the best all time, he needs to always play with aggression and win games like he knows he can. Time and time again, he has let his attitude choose when or where he's going to score or if the team's going to win because he doesn't feel like it, or he just has an off-the-court issue or political reasons that are making him upset, that's not going to make you the best basketball player ever. You play a sport. If you want to be known as the best player of all time, you need to shut up and play. That is it. Now, hopefully the Houston Rockets can come back from this tomorrow and win, putting them up 2-1, but right now the series is tied. Tonight, folks, we get the L.A. Clippers taking on the Denver Nuggets in a series that is also tied 1-1. The teams right now that are playing for their chance to go to the finals have absolutely gotten to a point where they are close and neck and neck for the most part. Even in the series with the Bucks versus the Heat, When the Heat went up 3-0 and it seemed they were about to sweep Milwaukee, that game yesterday went into overtime with a miraculous three solidifying the win for for Milwaukee with basically no time left on the clock, and it was amazing. I gotta say, basketball is back, baby, and I cannot wait to see what goes on in the next series and in the finals. I'm excited. Well, folks, if this heat wave isn't enough for you, how about all the fires? In fact, I was so close to the fires yesterday that when I went to the Duckfoot Brewery to set up shop and sell tacos out in front... There was ash all over the tables that we had to wipe off from the fires nearby. And when I came home into Imperial Beach, which is all the way on the coast, 
There was also ash, this time on my vehicles, from the Alpine fire, which you could see the smoke from as I drove home to the extent in which, in this, mor this morning, there was a fog in the air, blanketing the entire atmosphere because of so much smoke, it's been contained, they say, zero percent. Heat waves bring along fires, and for me, I still always wonder, is there like a magnifying glass window that shoots a beam of light into a dry field of grass that starts these fires? Did somebody flick a lit cigarette and almost always, if it's below 100 degrees, the cigarette burns out and it's fine, but as soon as it gets to 105 out, things start on fire easier? I'm just not getting it. Like, where do these fires come from? I know the sun itself, even as hot as it was yesterday, doesn't just spontaneously start things on fire. It doesn't make sense. It would have to be way hotter than it was. Some people say it's because with the extreme heat and the exchanging of cold and hot air in certain areas also comes thunder and lightning storms. And one lightning strike itself onto an area that's dry enough and hot enough will be enough to start a massive blaze. And I guess that makes sense. But I got to tell you, I've lived here for nine years. Never seen, I don't even think, a flash of lightning. I've, I've seen thunderstorms, or heard them, I should say. But I don't know that I've seen lightning flash close enough to anywhere near us for it to start a fire that I can actually see the smoke from or have ash on my vehicles out here in Imperial Beach, the southwesterly most city in the United States, right on the corner. So I, I don't get it. You know, I don't know who's starting these fires, how they start, what what really happens. But whatever the case, firefighters are busting their asses to try and contain this stuff. And I have nothing but love and respect for them. I hope it works out. So far, it just seems like it's going to get hotter and hotter. This heat wave, it'll be over in a week. It never lasts that long. But no matter where you're at, whether it's Arizona, Texas, Oregon... California, I name off a lot of places where I know people, it's hot. Right now it is hot and, you know, you got to drink a lot of water, stay indoors if you must, and find a pool to swim in. Now through the years that I went to school, kindergarten, you know, preschool even, elementary, junior high they called it, but it was basically middle school, high school, even college, I had some dedicated teachers. And in college, I remember I had a few extremely dedicated professors, including one individual. She was my environmental science teacher, and she did whatever it took to teach us about the ability we have as individuals to lower our carbon footprint on this planet and make sure we save it for the next generation. She was just dedicated. But nobody's more dedicated at all than this Argentinian professor who collapsed during a Zoom meeting or teaching her class through Zoom. Collapsed due to COVID-19 symptoms, they say. I will never believe it because 
Absolutely everybody apparently has COVID-19. If you get hit by a bus, COVID-19. Stubbed your toe, foot hurts, probably COVID. Oh, you coughed after a bong hit, you must have COVID-19. At any rate, this woman, she was teaching her class. She collapsed during the lesson and actually died. Yeah, which I also don't know how that's possible because if you're watching this through Zoom and you see your teacher collapse, wouldn't you call an ambulance to her house like right away? And I don't know if it's hard for them to triangulate her location. Uh, and I'm sure the students don't have her house address. Maybe they do. But I'm, I'm just surprised that this happened. I'm very sad about it. It's, it's just proof that some teachers are absolutely dedicated. This woman will forever go down as a teacher who took her last breath to teach 20th century world history to her Argentinian class. And I am just astounded at her dedication. I mean, if I, if I can feel myself passing out, and I always know when it's coming. I got like at least a minute warning when I'm about to pass out. And it's happened to me a few times in life. So I can feel it when it's about to happen. And I am not going to continue teaching a class. I mean, if I'm feeling myself about to keel over, I'm telling my class, hey, folks, you know what? I'm cutting the class short today. I'm about to black out. You guys have a nice evening. I'm calling an ambulance. You know, this lady, she didn't want to lose the possibility of getting these last words in that were so important to her. I hope these students are inspired by her dedication. And now I'm sure one of them is going to find a way to just beat the odds and become a professor themselves and possibly even teach world history just like she did. I mean, amazing. There has been some fantastic teachers in my lifetime, and some of them, I don't even know how they dealt with me because I was such a rotten piece of trash. But this woman, she takes the cake. Congrats to her, and rest in peace, my lady. So my wife found this Facebook page in our neighborhood where they just give out free stuff. Rich people who don't want something that's basically brand new. They're like, hey, come pick it up for free. I'm too lazy to sell it. I don't have time. I have money. I don't care. Come get this stuff. So it seems like every day she's off to get free stuff, but I don't understand why. We are not poor. We don't need free stuff. Just because it's there and free doesn't mean we need it. This is a little taste of what is yet to come in the world of hoarding. Now, I admit there's some things that I hoard. Baseball cards, definitely a hoarder of that. I have, you know, thousands of baseball cards probably that are worth nothing. And I keep holding on to them, and I don't know why. And they go from house to house, and I don't sell them. I don't buy any more, though. That's the thing. I've reached 
a maximum capacity of hoarded baseball cards. I plan on getting no further cards that are baseball. Will I get other stuff? Yes. I'm also a hoarder of old video game consoles. I have multiple regular Nintendos, a couple Super Nintendos, a Sega, you know, a PlayStation 1, 2, 3, and 4, and soon to be 5. I, you know, I'm a hoarder of consoles because someday they'll be worth a lot of money. People who want to buy the original ones, they will seek them out and I will have some of them in perfect condition. I keep everything like that in very great shape and I plan on selling it one day. But to hoard things that you don't need, that you're not going to sell, that aren't worth money, it just seems stupid. You know, like, why are you getting this stuff? Because, oh, I didn't want this person to throw it away. Well, that's not a good reason. You know, we don't need another car seat. We have three car seats. Now she got another. We have four. I don't even have four kids. I have three kids. Why would I need four car seats when I have three kids, including one who's old enough soon to not even need a car seat? But because it was free and it was on the Facebook page, the wife had to go snag it. It's one of those things where I don't want to complain because, you know, if that's if that's your hobby in life, if that's what you want to do is seek out free things. It doesn't cost me any money. And it's not to the extent now yet where the hoarded things have collaborated in such a way that I don't have space for my own junk. That's no. And and you know what? I take up most of the storage room with stuff for my business, so I'm the real hoarder. Because let's face facts, this pandemic BS is probably going to last well into next year, which will finally be when I'm able to restart my business up, and after all that, I will have stored all this crap here for nothing for a very long time. But with that being said, this stuff that I'm storing is there to make me money. If you just grab free stuff, that's not worth anything, and you're not using it to make yourself money, that to me is the actual definition of hoarding. <laughs> Folks, it's time for the portion of the Peter Gabbett podcast that I'm certain you were waiting all night and all morning just to hear, oh man, I wish the whole podcast was just real stories brought to you by Peter Timothy Hankst and Barbecusion. That's B-B-Q-U-S-I-O-N today. I'm going to tell you folks the story about when I had cancer at the age of 12 and oftentimes they would have me do these CAT scans and x-rays and cardiovascular scans and all these types of scans, types of, types of scans, and with that came this drink I had to take down to showcase my bone structure better during these scans and one of the drinks was called barium i'll never forget it it was right before i would get cat scans they wanted to check to make sure and it might have been right before i got mris magnetic imaging or whatever but either way they would make me drink this white thick chalk flavored drink called barium that even the doctors 
were not afraid to admit would give me explosive diarrhea no matter what. There's absolutely no chance you're not getting the shits. So I don't know if you've ever heard of Ipecac. That's what induces vomiting. You drink it in case you've consumed something that might kill you so that you can vomit it all up because the Ipecac will induce, induce vomiting no matter who you are. In, within a minute, you're puking. So barium, I find, is similar to that, but for diarrhea. Now, of course, it was, it was necessary for me to drink this and all of it. They wouldn't let you not have every last drop because they needed this inside you so that your, your bones would show up better on these scans and they could see if the cancer had reached your bones and if the, it had and your bone marrow, then you were screwed. Because if you have bone marrow cancer, you're not, you know, things are not looking up for you then. But I, I, luckily for me, the cancer never spread to my bones. You know, I even had bone marrow taken directly out of my spinal cord to be tested and that was a very painful experience. They took a gigantic needle, shoved it straight through the bone in my spine, and sucked out what's inside of your bone that keeps you from having your bones just crumble. And then I laid on a couch for a week drinking milk because I could do nothing else. And that was actually during a run of different surgeries that they did, and they performed them all in the same day so that I could just, you know, hopefully recover from all of them at the same time and not have to have too many separate surgeries at that very beginning stage. But this barium stuff, back to the story at hand, the barium that I would drink, I could actually feel it as it went through me because it was so thick and it tasted like when you get a little bit of chalk in your nostril or mouth in school when you're like clearing out the chalkboard erasers or whatever. It just was chalk and water, I was convinced. And uh, it turns out barium is actually, you know, a mineral or something that, you know, you can find on the table of minerals or whatever. It is a known thing and it's important and I swigged it. And I remember one of the times... I had multiple scans afterward, including one, I think it was the cardiovascular scan, where I would lay down for hours. They would strap you down so you couldn't move. Some people would sleep. I can't. I have a machine making crazy noises. I'm moving through it constantly back and forth, an inch here and an inch there. And it would literally take like an hour one way and an hour back and then a final hour to go over it all again. It was like a three-hour process of just laying there still. You could not move. There was no TVs above you. You couldn't listen to music. You just had to lay there. And I remember I had one of these scans once after I had drank the barium. And I'm telling you, like seven times during this scan, I had to stop the doctor and be like, I have explosive diarrhea. I'm not able to lay here like this with my back flat. I can hear the gargling and noises happening inside me that are twisting up my insides and forcing me to take bathroom breaks 
that are vicious and deadly. Mike, I don't think you understand. I cannot do this after the other one. Why don't we do this one first each time and do the other one after? Now, I don't know if they needed that stuff in me for this scan too, but I know they needed it. I was, I'm pretty sure for the CAT scan, but maybe it was the MRI. Either way, I drank that stuff probably 15 different times during the year that I went through chemo and everything. And I didn't even get very sick during the chemo. I fought through it really well. They were very surprised. The, the, the doctors, they were like, I can't believe this guy. It's amazing his recovery. Uh, he doesn't even get sick when he's at, you know, he keeps a good attitude. He's always cheerful. He's talking to the other kids, having a good time, no problems. We love him. He's an inspiration to us. But the times that I did have extreme sickness, it was from drinking that stuff. And it only lasted a day. But man, I am so glad that to this day, I have not had to drink that stuff for probably at least 20 years. It's It's got to be about maybe 19 years since I was probably 15. If you ever come across a time at a hospital where they're like, hey, slug this white liquid called barium. I warned you, now you know you will have the shits to the maximum and highest possible degree. I appreciate you listening to the Peter Gabbett Podcast today. Folks, I hope you enjoyed that disgusting story I just told. Stay cool out there, folks. It's going to be super hot, and I will talk to you tomorrow.